What's happening, y'all? This is Todd Wilson with another episode of Elevate Your Game. Today, we have Coach Reggie Morris. Um, coach is the head, current head coach of Redondo Union High School down in the South Bay, uh, the director of Team Why Not, four CIF section titles, one state title. Did I say that right? Yeah. All right. Uh, former college coach, um, mentor to many, and uh, thanks for coming on the show, oh, man. Thanks for having Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you Absolutely. very much. So we love to start this show. We look at the hall, the wall of hoop movies. Uh, what's your favorite movie up there and why? Like we were saying before, it's so many to choose from. I love Hoop Dreams when I was a kid. I, like you said, I, I was introduced with Cornbread Earl and me, but I think the movie that kind of really stands out to me is He Got Game. That was yeah. my favorite hoop movie. Just the, I think looking back at it from like a, a standpoint of really watching movies, the music connected into uh -huh. it. Um, just the, the, just the love of the game that he had and the circumstances that he had to overcome. I mean, and it was just like right at that time of life for me where it, it just stood out a lot. I, you know, I really love Ray Allen. Ray Allen's one of my favorite players and it was a great movie. So I, I would go with He Got Game. Yeah, no, He Got Game was one of the, like, man, is somebody really that good in high school? Right, like it was right. that moment. And then shortly after we saw, you know, he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he that was, was a really dope movie. And uh, I think it, I think all these movies have impact. You said the, the music, yeah. another one that really had the music connection was Above the Rim. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yep, yep, in yep. it. And then the soundtrack was crazy. Right. And so I think I, I forget about that element to wow, it. For the, sure. The music and the connection to the movie. Awesome. So we're going to hop right into it. You guys just finished the EYBL session in Memphis. Yeah. Uh, it was the, the last session before. You know, everything kind of calms down, goes yep. to high school and then on to Peace Jam. Um, what was your experience like? You know, you've been doing this for six years now yep. uh, with Team Why Not. What's your experience like this time in Memphis? Uh, just this time in Memphis, I like that the EYBL does. Some, like sometimes we don't like it because we come from so far away. And from a logistics standpoint, it becomes difficult to travel from west to east. But just it was in a different place, in a different city. We we enjoyed the energy that came out of memphis um the facility was great i thought our team really gelled together just um we were able to put some of the pieces together and and we were missing you know some of our guys so isaiah elohim wasn't able to play um some of the other guys you know weren't weren't available but the guys that we did have they came through they competed and we played at a pretty high level we went three and two and just you know, weren't able to turn it on in enough time, but you know, there's some ups and some downs, but as a program in general, our program is, is training upwards. Our younger guys, our 15s, our 16s, we have the best group of young kids on the West Coast for any travel team. We believe we, with all of the guys that we have, they're, they're, um, we, we couldn't be more happy of the younger group that we have and our older group competed. So as a program, we still feel like we're in a great place. No, absolutely. It's, it's uh, crazy to think we were talking about it earlier. Those six years went by fast. Yeah. You guys have had a lot of success quick yeah. with the program, with the, you know, your first year and then some championships in there, even on the 16U and the 15U level, some great teams who, you know, won Peach Jam and, and so forth. So to be where you are in six years is a, you know, that's a great achievement. Yeah, no, we have a great staff, great coaches, great logistics people, you know, guys out there. So Shout out to the staff. Everybody does a great job. I mean, it's it makes it easy. You know, you got guys like Mike Law, you got Rabibo, you got Roy, you know, Coach Arturo Jones. 
to Victor Martin. To, you we started got, saying names. Now you got to yeah, say everybody. Yeah, I got to say everybody. <laughs> you got our two guys that do, you know, that, that do scouting and, and that are AB, does all of the training and stuff. We have a great Coach Cobbs. I mean, our staff is second to none. Darrell's come in and done a great job. We have varsity head coaches almost like at every level, you know, Shelton Diggs from Long Beach Poly, uh, Chris Hamilton, everybody. If I missed anybody, I didn't mean to. <laughs> now we're going to get the list and then call you all out and uh, list them in the description down below. For sure. <laughs> uh, it, it's amazing. What is it like? So you've been on a couple college staffs. You've run programs of your own. Is running an AAU program, an EYBL AAU program, just is it pretty much the same as running a college staff? AAU, so the reason why I left college was because we weren't, and that's like we hadn't set the infrastructure totally. So I'd be at Pepperdine fielding a lot of team why not calls. And so what, to answer your question, yeah, it's, it's a lot. So to come back to high school, I wouldn't do it if I didn't have the AAU piece like at such a high level. You get a chance to be around the best of the best. You have to go, you know, try to lock in the best players. Um, you have to facilitate a program that, that's about something. And, and, you know, hopefully people see that we're a program that's maybe not for everybody on the highest of levels because we try not to be accessible to everyone. We want to be accessible to the best, not just the best players, but the best families as well. Yeah. Guys, people that we can lend our information to, people that we can um, that we can just make sure that want to be part of what we're doing and do things the right way. So that's what we want to be about. The right way. Yeah. You're speaking to that. That's, I think that's important for coaches to understand who are trying to reach the levels of being a head high school coach or um, being an elite AAU program, regardless of the, the shoe circuit or independent or whatever it is. What does that mean? The right way is, you know, it's hard to say it, the landscape. People always, always want to use certain things like the landscape is changing, but it, it actually is. You know, there's a different way to there's a way that this thing is going. And, you know, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. We, we try to be around people who like where your actions aren't just all transactional. We, we care. We have so many people on staff that have so much knowledge and so much information and have nothing to gain other than want to give back to the kids, you know, and it, it sounds all cliche, but it's true. We want to be around people that want to be around us for our knowledge and our care as much as they do for what we can give them to give them the platform that their kids need, which the platform is, is great, but how do you use your platform? How do you take advantage of it? Uh, you know, like I would say, and you said just nuggets to give to people, parents out there don't understand that we've seen, all these kids, you know, they just come to all the kids, all the families, they just come with different names. Yeah. So with all the experience of the people on our staff, we can kind of look at kids and their situations and their families and say, you are the Johnsons. And that may be from 2005. It may be from 1995, mm -hmm. but it's just also just, Hey, what can we do to help be preventative to help people go down the right path, you know, give everybody the chance to succeed, not just think short term, but think long term. You know, there's there's so many people who get um, they get exploited in the game of basketball yeah. and to, you know, Russell has done a great job. Russell Westbrook has done a great job of giving us a platform to make sure that we don't exploit kids, that we don't have to do it a certain way. So, 
you know, he's given shoot probably over a million dollars over the course of the six seasons to just fund the basketball team and the program in a way in which we don't have to compromise ourselves to do things the right way. Yeah. And, you know, everybody kind of, we all look after the kids and we've all been able to take part in something positive. We want the kids to look back and say that they were part of a positive experience, not that they got exploited in any way. No, absolutely. And I think you can see it from the kids who have gone through it, who still represent and uh, support the program. Now, you know, that's the best way to see if yeah. people are coming back around <clears throat> the program. But also, I think you speak to something is that the, the character of the program reflects you know, Westbrook, yeah. which is why not, which you coached him in high school. Sure. And, you know, I, I know it uh, comes from a great family as well. Mm -hmm. And um, so you've been coaching for a long time. You know, uh, your first year, you said you, you were able to uh, have Darrell Wright, mm -hmm. an NBA player, and play. And then right after that, Westbrook came. Mm -hmm. And then right after that, uh, DeLon came. Mm -hmm. and just continuing to uh, grow. Like, like what, what was that like, I guess, at 23 did you know he was an NBA player <laughs> at that age? You know, uh, you know, I guess evaluating yeah. his skill set. Was not, I could never tell you that. I mean, and he, he'll tell you he didn't know. You know, he, he was just a hard a kid that was real competitive, kid that would listen and learn. We've all developed. I mean, in the way that he plays, like you say, it really just speaks to how we want our program to be. You know, we're a family unit. We've maintained our, like our relationship, like even his brother Ray is also a big part of our organization. So he does a lot of the stuff great with kids and, and that sort of thing. But nobody knew that we would be, and that Russ would be one of the top 75 players all time. We just knew that he was a competitive little guy. And if he ever grew into his body, he would be a really good player. But I mean, he, he's uh, he's to be commended. You know, he takes a lot of hits, and we're there to stand up for him. But he's been great to give his give back to the community and to the basketball world. And when he gets around the kids, he gives them all the information, all the knowledge. He he wasn't an AAU guy. He he don't he really just played for me growing up. Mm. Like so, he played on teams here and there, but he he didn't get off into playing too much. And, and he kept his circle small, and and he he keeps it that way until today. So. He's been a great influence with for the program and for the kids. And, you know, he's a godsend for, for a lot of those kids who are getting a chance to do it um, in a particular way. No, that's, that's commendable that his, his name's on the program and he actually is a part of it. Yeah, you know, sure. you can see in the background sometimes little footage. I know it's more than just a little piece of footage mm -hmm. and the kids that I've just, you know, talked to personally, like, no, nah, he's actually, mm -hmm. like, he'll just call them to talk to them mm -hmm. and check in on them. I think that's important especially when your name's on something. This is a businessman. Mm -hmm. Your name's on something to be a part of it. Um, what was, we, we take somebody like a, a Westbrook and, you know, you hear he didn't dunk into his senior year yeah. and like the details of his development phase. Um, you know, me as a player developer, I always tell kids, you're on your own path. Mm -hmm. Just work hard and follow the script sure. that we always talk about. Um, what, what determines... I guess the difference from somebody who has that potential that actually makes it, you know, to the highest level or even college to someone who just kind of withers out with the wind. Oh, I'm a faith-based person. I think it's all in the cards. I think God determines all those things, but um, in, in a day-to-day -day capacity, I think you have parents who do believe that they can put their kids and kind of make their way. And at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with that. You All you can do is, 
put your kid in the right environment and you have to let your kid face the fire. You have to let them go through it and, and put them in situations where, where they can fail and not necessarily cover, but they can fail with support. Yes. Because you'd rather kids fall while they're in younger stages and all the lights aren't on them so that they learn how to deal with those failures. Once the lights are on and you try to puppet them through and get them through to where they don't feel any um, adversity, at some point they're going to feel adversity and you'd rather them feel that adversity at a younger state where they're still supported and they're still loved instead of when they get thrown out there to the wolves and then, you know, they feel that adversity for the first time and it's like, you know, they don't know what to do or how to act. And, and you know, the world's not as kind as people who are looking out for your best interest. I understand. So, yeah. that, that, that's the word. Uh, you guys hear that every single show with every single coach or a trainer or somebody who comes on here is that the adversity is what builds a, a, a man at the end of the day. You know, we're dealing mostly with young men and young women, but that's that, that adversity and being a support system around that. Uh, what do you communicate to your parents to give them the education on how to navigate this? Because like you said, it's changed. The landscape has changed. And I think mostly because of how the parents level of accountability mm -hmm. and lack of understanding of what this process looks like to yep. become a college player. Um, dealing with parents can be, uh, that's the part of this, the landscape that I enjoy the most and I enjoy the least. You have unrealistic parents and you have people who do things like we say for the right reasons and for the wrong reasons. You know, some things are monetarily based. Some things you, sometimes you have parents who are living through their kids. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times you just have parents that really care about their kids and they just want to see the best and, and you can't fault them for that either. Uh, but all in all, just try to let them to let them understand, put your kids with people that you trust, yes. put them with people that, you know, that can give you information that have no gain out of the situation and, and just trust that whatever is meant to be is going to be. It's going to be on the kid at the end of the day, how much work they put in, how fast they're able to adapt and learn from the information that they're being taught. Uh, it, it, it's a lot of different factors in it, but at the most, you just need to find people that have a track record that are proven and people that just genuinely care about your kid. Like, is your kid doing his homework? Is your kid taking out the trash? Like, are you making sure that that kid, when they go places, say please and thank you? And then all those things kind of tie back into basketball, you know, just being a well-rounded person and we can find somebody to teach you how to dribble a ball and shoot a ball. And then you need to be trusting of those people who are doing that too. Like yeah. there's a time where parents have to kind of let go and let the coaches do it. When is that? When <laughs> is that? Um, probably high school, yeah. depending on like what high school you put your kid at. Um, but definitely working in both um, venues and avenues, you can't go to college telling coaches what you think their playing time should be or how you feel like like very few people have the floor to speak in that way. College mm -hmm. coaches make millions of dollars to do their job and they're going to do what's best for their teams because they have their families to feed. So, you know, you don't want to be the parent or the family that their reputation precedes the player. Yeah. Because a lot of times people will look at those those parents and those families and say, I, I like the kid, but I don't want to deal with the family. So, you know, you just want to be the people who put your head down that work hard. You don't want to just be taken advantage of either. But at the same time, 
you have to have faith that is that you put yourself with good people. So do your research up front. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, when it comes to development, right? So you, your father was a coach, so you've been around the game probably your whole life. Yeah. You're played, uh, played in college, coached. Would how has the development changed? Right. I know there's some obvious ones with everybody being a skills trainer in America. Mm -hmm. um, but what's the balance now of actually knowing the game versus knowing the skills of the game? I think there's the balance is like flip flopped. So when we were growing up, there were guys who knew how to play, but they weren't ultra skilled. Now, these kids are all ultra skilled. They're all everybody has the same game. Everybody uses the same moves that every trainer teaches, I think there's been a loss. I think there's a place for getting your skill work in, but there's also a place for you got to let kids play to find their own game. Mm -hmm. I think there's not enough, like you could put a ball down with kids in the gym and I do it sometimes just to see like as a litmus test, who picks the ball up, who plays, who does drills, the kids are kids are are when they are they're so directed in everything they do. Everybody like the everybody needs to find themselves. And then you know there's for whatever reasons people don't play a lot of pickup anymore. Mm -hmm. They'll play with older guys who where older guys are their coaches, and they have to learn how to play in roles. Everybody's dad, uncle, somebody has a team, so mm -hmm. there's a role <laughs> given to them. Right. I think that there was value when we were growing up. You went to go play at the park. You went to go play at the Y. You play with older guys who told you if you want to get on the court, this is what you have to do to play. Yep. These are things. That was a good shot. That's not a good shot. I think that was in-house coaching. And then you found your way. I think kids need to use the skill work of today and the, the athletic training of today. And then we need to find venues to get some of the older ways of letting them play, figuring out what their game is, how does that connect to winning, not just playing, you know, mm -hmm. playing and A, you on the weekends, you know, we got four games, we lose today, hey, we'd be back tomorrow and play again. So what is the, like, what are we playing for? Do you, yeah. are you playing just to play? Are you playing to win? What's your, what are you playing for? So I think all those things need to be held into account. No, hundred percent. That's, that is where I find it most because I'm a skills trainer, right? I'm a developer. And so I've, I have one guy, one kid where I, I don't think you need to teach him any other skill. Mm -hmm. He literally knows as much as a basketball skill book can mm -hmm. teach him. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was very obvious this week where I was like, man, he just needs to go hoop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like mm -hmm. he just needs to go hoop. He doesn't understand what he has because he has all the tools. He doesn't understand how to use them on the court with high schoolers. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was, you know, I asked you that on purpose because mm -hmm. I, I needed to be checked about, hey, man, don't overskill. Don't skill out somebody mm -hmm. at such a young age where they're not having a balance of knowing how to play basketball. Yeah. You know, we add in drills and we teach them how to read. We teach them IQ within our training. There's nothing like gameplay. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like I want to bring like a 21 back. Yeah, that, that's what it, taught me how to play. Right. Like 21 was it. And like you said, there was stakes like you missed a free throw you going back and mm -hmm. you got to hit the mm -hmm. shot to win and if you lose then we do a push-ups or something it was always something yeah you, you know something. or like a brother rim uh boots mm -hmm. what they call mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know nothing about that that's, that's old stuff but um i think that's super important to hear from a coach on your level that that balance needs to be there mm -hmm. and what is a way that maybe an aau coach 
you know, we have these club teams with the young, especially younger kids, middle school. How can they implement that into what they do now? They see these kids two times a week for two hours a week. You know, what can they do? I think just uh, sometimes you, you start off with the skills and then you, you just let them play and put consequences on losses, like you said, and see who's going to be able to rise to the top, who, what it matters. You know, sometimes move the teams around. Let the, don't let the kids pick their own team. Put the, the best player on the team with the kids that aren't as good and let him see if he can find his way to, mm-hmm. to do that. So a lot of times the kids nowadays, we all, because we watch it in the NBA, everybody wants to play on stacked teams and wants to play on all of these teams where they have all the, the advantages. Like, no, like there's a value. <clears throat> I remember um, when I was younger because I, my dad was a coach and I could do all the skills, they would always play me up. Mm. So when I was eight, I was playing with 10, 11 year olds. When I was 11, I was playing with 13, 14 year olds. But I always tell people the value of playing up is tremendous. However, there's a value to playing your age group as well. So mm. you play up sometimes so that you see what it is you need to do. And then you play your age group at times so that that way you learn how to dominate. You don't learn how to fit in. You know, when you're always playing up and you learn how to fit in, you become a, a role player. Yeah. You, you you take those different lessons and you mix them all together. Play them your age group so you do dominate. You do back and forth, back and forth. So there's different ways to, to do it. I mean, everybody has their own uh, methods and scout out. I mean, shout out to all of the skill trainers. I mean, it's, it's great that kids are learning how to play at such a young age. Basketball is becoming a thing. If you don't get in by 10 years old, you're almost behind. And it's no old stories. Uh, I learned how to play in ninth grade. Like, you, as a, you can't do that anymore. I, mean, I, learned, I, was, I started playing when I was 13. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I was a late bloomer with it, but still competitive, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, like you said, it, it's interesting because as a trainer now, mm-hmm. if I find a kid who's 10 and 11 that never touched a ball, I get excited because mm-hmm. there's also a lot of bad habits built in. Yeah. Them. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. if you are committed to this, mm-hmm. we man. can get you because the passion involved. Yeah, passion. And you see it with NBA players, actually. A lot of them don't start their kids with serious training mm-hmm. until later. They get it. Mm-hmm. They get it and they understand development. You take, uh, uh, so Katino Mobley's son mm-hmm. just started playing mm-hmm. a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Awesome soccer player, all that. But his growth in this year and a half, he's hanging with kids his age already mm-hmm. and is understands the game at a different level because of he's not get being taught any bad habit. No nonsense. Yeah. You know, I, I I don't even like the little five year olds playing basketball. Like mm-hmm. it's cute, it's fun, it's exercise, but it's like and they're like really trying to coach them. I'm like, man, leave them kids alone. Yeah. Just let them, let them run up and down, fall in love with the process and the, the game mm-hmm. and the the movement of it. Yeah. And so um, but there's something to what you're saying too, is that you better get in it early. <laughs> it's like finding that balance is, is crazy. I don't even know where to start with that. No. Um, you've been watching the NBA playoffs at all. For the most part, I, I watched some games. So, all right. So you got, the, we have the finals. You have uh, Denver did a pretty uh, decent job against Miami this first game. Sure. What do you, how are you feeling about game two? I like the heat. I mean, I just like what they're about. Um, Denver super talented, you know, that, they have all the athletic advantages, all of the, but it's something about just the heart of a team and the will of a team. I think the Heat always find a way. Just when you look at the roster and you have a bunch of guys that that are playing to get, you know, with the chip on their shoulder. Yeah, I think I always like to see those teams succeed, and so I'm kind of rooting for them to win. Yeah, no, I see. Uh, it's what you explained. You said put the best guy 
with the, you mm-hmm. know, the lower level guys mm-hmm. in practice. So that's Jimmy Butler in yeah. Minnesota. Yeah, that's, Minnesota. That's how, yeah. And it's kind of what he's doing now that anybody on Miami is a lower level guy, but mm-hmm. a bunch of undrafted, unrecognized mm-hmm. talent mm-hmm. guys who play their role mm-hmm. or superstars in their role. And he, he carried them to the championship. That Eastern Conference Finals last year, championship this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully he can he can go get it. But Jokic is he's a, he's he's a bad man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> he's a bad for sure, he's a bad man. Um, so, so you have the Heat to win the finals? I don't know. I, I don't want to jump out and make a prediction. That's oh, you I'm, have to. We on the show. Well, that's what I'm rooting for. So, <laughs> all right, all right, yeah, all right, cool. I'm rooting for the Heat to win. <laughs> all right, yeah. All right. Um, so, this is a part of our show. Uh, it's called My Rushmore is Top Four. Your top four uh, today. Our topic is top four black college coaches of all time. Top four black college coaches of all time. It's it's uh that's a topic that's dear to me. That's uh like role models, guys that I looked up to, guys that I wanted to play for growing up. You know, so I'd probably start with uh, Nolan Richardson. I love the Razorbacks. They were they played an exciting brand of basketball. Um, John Thompson, of course. Yeah. I met him when I was a, he was a friend of my dad, so I met him when I was younger. So always a lot of respect for him. John Chaney, just looking at him, no nonsense, and guys really want to play for him. And um, it could go a whole bunch of different ways. I'd put my dad in there. He was a college coach for a while, but also a guy that I worked for, uh, Lorenzo Romar. Yeah. One of the best people that I've ever met and, like, a mentor to me, looked out, and just a good person all the way around and a good coach. So those would probably be the guys that I, I, I lend my hat to or tip my hat to. Yeah. No, Who uh, you got? I got – I got a lot of uh, yeah. So actually, Romar mm-hmm. is in there. There's no no particular order, but Romar's in there for sure. Um, I was always been a fan of him when he was at Washington, mm-hmm. and then he was recruiting a couple of players um, that we worked with, mm-hmm. and just his the I, I guess the comfort that you feel when you shake that man's hand is different. Highest he, character of people ever. He really cares. Um, about hey how's your family doing mm-hmm. and he knows my you know he knows that i have a wife and two kids and like oh that's mm-hmm. awesome and like just that piece of him and then i watched one of his practices and mm-hmm. i was even more impressed mm-hmm. the the detail mm-hmm. the detail and uh you can see how he's developed so many pros over the years mm-hmm. and continues to do that yeah um i have i like leonard hamilton right now for a coach over at florida state um same reason um he just develops pros like he has a system he has a knack for identifying talent that isn't um developed yet and in short amount of time or having them for longer years he he knows how to develop them that's a good one love the system uh john thompson for sure i just recently i read his book oh man and i didn't i already liked him because you know georgetown and all the all the the beautiful things that he did there and how he he pretty much changed the game for black coaches Mm -hmm. at the time and uh that's three. Man, I just want to miss anybody. I'm thinking. Four is tough. Four is tough. And I, I, that's why we do this, my Russian thing. I've been stuck. This is the second time in a row I've been stuck. Um, yeah, I'm about to go Chaney. Yeah, just just because I'm not stupid. Mm-hmm. And I know who. <laughs> so we're going to go with Chaney. So, no, that. Um, it's, it's important, I think, for us to see as coaches someone who looks like us doing what we do. And I think it's important for all cultures to yeah. see that. Um, I, I uh, related to it, even as simple as my daughter 
like being at a school where she sees other people like mm -hmm. herself. Mm -hmm. um, she she came home one day asking for a ponytail, and I'm like, "Baby girl, your hair don't work like that. Mm -hmm. Ponytail you asking for doesn't work like mm -hmm. that." And I was like, "Man, she doesn't see anybody like her mm -hmm. asking for hairstyles that she can have, right. you know, with the the curly hair that she has." And mm -hmm. it was like, "It's important." And then for his coaches, like reading John Thompson's book made me realize how much I needed to just hear that and see that that the impact of some one person yeah. who's doing something out of the ordinary who looks like me, um, even though I'm light-skinned, you know what I mean by look like me, but uh, uh, man, it has a huge impact For on sure. what you do and yep. what you can envision yourself doing. So mm -hmm. who? So those are the, probably the coaches who had the most impact on your life. If you had to give a coach who you were mentoring any advice about coaching, what would it be? So you could be on somebody's Rushmore one day. Man. That's tough. I want to say coaching is is a thankless job, and uh, people don't understand that. Sometimes young coaches coach for the wrong reasons. They see, you know, oh, you you got a shoe deal, or you uh, coaching these big games, and you know, a lot of this stuff comes with many years of being unheralded, unseen. You know, Russell's team. When Russell was a senior, we played. We our shooting shirts were a pro club. We play. We have pro club shooting shirts. So now the people white see, things? yeah, <laughs> oh, blue long sleeve uh, thermos. Oh man, yeah. So people see, oh, you got this and you got that. Like it, it was many years that went into it before we got into places where, okay, now everything is good. But you're a leader. You're a, a teacher and a, a mentor and a builder of young men mm -hmm. or young women. Uh, that's that's what your job is. You know, the basketball comes in a, in a certain way and there's different things. Anybody can be do X's and O's, but shoot sports are a lot of times a lot of people's first uh, job, you know. So you learn a lot about teamwork. You learn a lot about being on time, punctuality. You learn a lot about just being accountable. Those are things that all come from playing sports and coaches teach you those things. In high school, the kids spend more time with us than they do with their parents. Yep. So a lot of times, like just know as a young coach, what are you doing this for? Try not to get caught up into the, the fame. Like my dad asked me all the time, well, not all the time, but when I was a younger coach, are you coaching for fame or are you coaching because it's your calling or your purpose? And, you know, being a coach isn't necessarily a job. It's a, it's a calling. Yes. So if it's your calling, mm -hmm. you need to treat it as such. You gonna make me go and get a coaching job? Stop it! There you go. Stop it! Love it. Oh no, it's tough. It's it's a place you you're mentoring kids in your way too. So yeah, yeah. It, it, it's all about helping the kids and giving them you know the the cliche be the person you wanted that you needed when you were growing up. So yeah, no, there's a there's a part of me that you know as a player developer, you know kids come and go, and even with the core program, you know they're here for a couple years, mm -hmm. most of them around two years or so before they go into high school. There's a part of that high school side, though, mm -hmm. of playing for something and building a legacy and a, a culture yep. around it. Like, you know that your teams are going, they're going to play defense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's it. We know your teams are going to play defense and then, you know, you're going to execute. And there's something to that where as a developer, you know, I know my kids are going to be prepared for high school to mm -hmm. be able to navigate the game and be varsity ready, ready quicker than most kids mm -hmm. because of the things that we teach. And that's cool for our culture. 
but that that calling and that purpose, it just yeah, it hit me. So if y'all see me as a head coach one day, it's Reggie's fault. Um, <laughs> um, awesome. And then I was gonna ask this because I I don't know this about you, but I know this about you just because of of what I've seen from the distance from you is uh, what do you do for personal development? Because it seems like you're always getting better with some part of yourself. So what is it that you do, um, books that you read from, people that you're around, what is it exactly? I think just knowing that I wanna win. Like, I wanna win, I wanna be successful. So I just try to, I mean, coaching, teaching, it's all copycat stuff. It's Mm. looking how people do things, asking questions, like never getting too full of yourself to think like you have the, the only way to do it. So, you know, my teams traditionally will, pick up full court play pressure defense but the state championship team that I had we played totally different you know is it I we were asking this question we us as coaches had this conversation a couple weeks ago like is it is it more important for you to win and be right and win your way or like what's more important to be right or do things your way or to win and to adapt us Mm -hmm. as coaches particularly high school coaches um, you don't get the same type of players all the time. Some years it'll be, you know, you have one set of kids, another year, you know, and you get a chance to grow them and, and they all get a chance to learn. But even as you start to do things longer and longer, you kind of, as coaches get bored with, I've done this the same way for 10 years. Let me try something else, you know? So uh, the pandemic year, we played zone every, almost every possession of the year. Wow. which isn't common uh, for any of Well, we play, I my teams would play some zone, but it was something different. It was something like, hey, let's try something. So not being afraid to try, not being afraid to go out and ask people and put yourself in a vulnerable place. Like somebody, even a park coach may know more than you mm-hmm. at something that you just don't know and being open to all of the suggestions. And like you said, reading books and watching videos, but just just trying to be the best coach you can be. That's good. That's awesome. I think that's the the missing key for a lot of these kids is that that personal development side. Because us growing up, we had a lot of mentors and people yeah. giving us those things where they have social media telling them what to do and whatever else they're into. And so, and these coaches, the younger coaches are part of that generation as well, mm-hmm. where there wasn't that strong no mentorship voice. Mm-hmm. And so that self-development, where are you getting you're you're nurturing from you know that 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 water to to grow the plant inside of you and so um i think it's great for young coaches to hear that even you with you know the amount of success that you have already and the success that you're going on to that you're still growing as well mm-hmm. and, and um that's important so there's a segment of show we call where were you when okay we hop in our delorean we uh flip it back to a moment in time we actually have two moments in time okay. that we're going to uh, get to today because uh, I think both were, they're, they're unique, um, they're heartfelt, and you remember exactly where you were during these times. I remember where I was for one of them, other one I was five. <laughs> so the one when I was five years old, we're going to go back to when, um, when Magic announced uh, that he was uh, positive for HIV mm-hmm. and shocked the world because he was in the prime of his career, yep. right? Just signed a 30-year 30, 30 contract with the Lakers, which is wild. Uh, in itself, but where were you? How did it impact you? I can remember being in the backyard playing 
basketball and you know it wasn't social media and I can remember just hearing like my grandmother told me come in the house magic's about to make an announcement like oh okay back in back in those days in the mid 90s shoot the, the Lakers were everything and magic you know was a big person like a big part of all of our lives just we were all influenced by magic and just hearing the information and coming from outside playing basketball and listening to that and not really knowing too much about the whole uh, HIV epidemic and, and those type of things. It was real confusing. I was probably like um, 12 years old, I think, and 12, 13, like somewhere in there in middle school, I can remember. And it was just was a, a real tough couple of days, like trying to process all of that, like, you know, from a basketball standpoint, like a guy that you really respected and you really looked up to. And then from a life standpoint, it was just a lot of emotions. It was kind of the day that basketball and reality touched mm, and it yeah. made basketball a real thing. And it made, you know, like these, these guys are more than just superheroes. They're people too. So it was a lot to, to process. Yeah, no, I can, I can only imagine, like I said, I was young, so I don't remember that moment, but I remember watching the documentaries about mm -hmm. it and all those things. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, man, the, what he went through himself too, right? Not, you know, like you said, HIV was a new thing. And so it was like, people didn't want to touch him and right. players didn't want right. to play with him. And like the, yeah, all yeah. That, that, that part of it became, I'm sure, real for him as well. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's awesome to see how much he's overcome it. Like we don't even connect magic to that moment anymore, even though we did for years, mm -hmm. we connect him to his success as a, you know, as a businessman yeah. and uh, what he's done for the black community and what he it was for the Lakers and, you know, his, Dodgers too. Dodgers. And he just bought a piece of the, uh, Ran, uh, the, no, the, the generals. The, yeah, whatever. The commanders. <laughs> yeah, the commanders. Oh, my bad. I've said it wrong too. The Washington team in Washington that plays football. Right. Um, and so, and so um, now it's just good to see like somebody having some a, a traumatic and, you know, moment. And uh, him to overcome that as well is yep. good to see. Yep. Our second moment is probably near and dear to everybody's heart um, is the passing of Kobe. Um, sure, it's that's definitely I think everybody can kind of reflect and re remember the moment that you heard. And so, what was that moment like for you and the impact? Oh man, um, the the Kobe moment I can remember like yesterday. I was. So there are some people who are huge Kobe fans. I'd say I'm a, a pretty decent sized Kobe fan. Like I I really had a lot of respect for Kobe and just how he played um, and just everything he was about. We were on a trip up in, uh, in Napa Valley going to see like a tournament at Prolific Prep. It was me and Mike Law and DeAndre, the two guys that helped a lot with the recruiting. And it came down on us and it was like, this isn't real. Yeah. And then your phone just start ping, 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 ping. Yeah. It's like, this is real. So I think the Kobe, the, the Kobe death and the way it happened, just with it being so sudden and so tragic, so many people kind of resonated with it. And I think what it is, is that people all want to be great at something. The, or the, the, that's their goal. Everybody wants to be great at something. And I think Kobe, just when you look at how he prepared himself and his will to be great, I think just people could resonate with the fact that, oh man, he was all about greatness. And just by being a fan of his, 
they then too became linked to that greatness. Mm -hmm. Everybody like kind of looks at the process of, oh man, he, he was this and he did that. And you know, the early mornings and the, the summers were no pickup and just all play. And, you know, Kobe was is synonymous with hard work, dedication, greatness. And I think a lot of people resonate with that. And I think a lot of people were impacted because of the fact that they too felt like they were part of that journey. You know, whether you just watched them on the couch or you told your kids what he did so that they could get better. And I think it was just like, man, another, another time where basketball and reality really set in and people really were impacted by an athlete and, and how much they touch people in different ways. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I was in my house. My family had left to go on a family trip without me. I didn't want to go to, but <laughs> they went on a family trip. And I remember seeing it and the source that I read it on wasn't like reputable. Mm -hmm. And so once again, it was like, that's not real. Mm -hmm. No. And then, you know, you hop on Twitter and you start seeing it and seeing it. And I'm like, this isn't real. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't real. That's what all I kept saying. Nah, this isn't real. And so then I call um, one of my mentors, Chris Johnson, who I know he had, he, he would know, right? He's connected in, in the league. And um, he's like, yeah, bro, I think this is real. And just broke down in tears, actually. And I don't know. I think it was because I know the impact that it was about to have on the world. Uh -huh. Because this, this person that we all, you know, we just have respect for at minimum and, you know, love and all that kind of stuff with is just like, man, like if it could happen to him, mm -hmm. it could happen to anybody right. type thing. It was right. like that superhero, like Kobe's a superhero, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's a superhero to us and something so, so tragic can happen that quick. Um, and I was, I was supposed to actually go meet him mm. maybe in a month or something, you know, he had over at Mamba Academy. Mm -hmm. And so he was doing some stuff and I was connecting it. He was like one of those people on my list. Like, you know, I met, I met LeBron. Mm -hmm. um, I seen Westbrook shoot, mm -hmm. and, you know, been with D Wade. I've been with some guys and he was one of those ones where I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta meet Kobe, yeah. especially cause I was a, a Kobe basketball hater for 10 years, right? So who'd you love instead of if you hated Kobe? Oh, Vince Carter, man. Vince, Carter. Vince Carter's my favorite of all time. I know, oh, hey. You <laughs> threw a curveball with that uh, Yeah, one. no, Vince, Vince, hands down, was so growing one, up, man, he just, the way he, it, the, he just dumped on everybody. So I had a 45 inch vertical. I could jump back on my day. So <laughs> back on my day. And so, uh, yeah, no, I was a huge Vince Carter fan. Okay. And, you know, there's a couple other players. I mean, my, my, Goat is LeBron, okay. but it was uh that's that's what, I don't know why it was Vince, but Vince did it for us. That man could jump over humans. It was crazy to me, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that was uh definitely definitely a, a emotional moment, and I think it was because I was alone too, right? Like I'm in my house and I ain't got nowhere to go. Was this was it COVID? Mm -hmm. It was just about to be COVID, mm -hmm. and so things were like weird in the world already. So I was feeling weird, mm -hmm. but. Yeah, no, that was that moment. So, um, love what they have done since, right? They like they're keeping everything that he's done, his foundation and his family, and they seem uplifted and and all that. So, continuing continuing prayers for the family and, sure. and everything that Kobe has done for for this basketball world. So, 
Um, what there was something. Oh, I'm adding a new segment on the spot. Okay. Because <laughs> I thought about this because I, I I think it's going to work. Uh, we're going to call it flip the script. Okay. What question do you have mm-hmm. for me? If you can ask anything. So. Oh, good one. Um, I guess as a, what do you see that kids, um, what do you see that kids seventh and eighth grade need to learn the most in order that, that you've shown kids in order to get them ready for high school? Like what would, I guess that'd be from a skill place and from an emotional place. Like mm-hmm. what are they dealing with in order to get the most out of kids as they get to high school? Number one would be, I tell them to have a pro mindset. Mm-hmm. They need to understand how serious this game is, how serious they need to take it, and how serious their parents need to take it when it comes to mm-hmm. playing on the levels that they want to play. We, I, I do a lot of kids who want to go to the high-level high schools, mm-hmm. and <laughs> we, the coaches aren't just taking anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's how it works when you in Southern California. Coaches just tell you no, mm-hmm. public, private, like pretty much they can say you're not going to play here and um so that pro mindset is um showing like you said those little details showing up on time how you're eating you know uh what are you focusing on on your game the film all those little things uh from an emotional standpoint i always touch i I touch mentally emotionally physically and actually spiritually as well the uh the emotional piece is being able to be coachable and that means being coached by anybody mm-hmm. and, you know, eating the meat, spin out the bone. Mm-hmm. I think that's the toughest thing for kids because I grew up, my mom yelled, cussed at me, like yelling and cussing doesn't impact me at all. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, that's just how people talk, right? right? Sorry, mama, I'll put you on, <laughs> you on camera now. Um, but she, you know, so I could take that, mm-hmm. that, that like didn't impact me. It actually probably pushed me to be better. Like, oh, they're serious. I need to, I need to go where these kids, you know, gentle pairing has entered the world and it's a real thing. <laughs> me and my wife have discussed it and I was like, yeah, you could go ahead and be gentle if you want to, but <laughs> I can't, mm-hmm. they ain't gonna listen. Now she doesn't gentle parent guys, but it was a, it was a real discussion at one point. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, they're not going to respect you because they gonna respect me out of, you know, our job is to bring them up in the way they're supposed to go, not bring them up as our friend. Mm-hmm. And that piece is what it is, is that they're not prepared for the level of coaching they're going to get mm-hmm. and the adversity they're going to go through because they're being mm-hmm. saved. So mm-hmm. go through the fire early is my thing. I said, go let them go through the fire now in middle school. So in high school, it's a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. In college, it's even a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And those are the kids who are most successful who just have a ironclad mindset of that and emotional stability. Mm-hmm. Physically, I tell them, if you want to play varsity right away, there's two things you got to do. Or I say three, actually. Let me say three. Play defense meaning you have to be able to guard and rebound in your position, mm-hmm. guard and rebound in your position. Don't turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you to be some, you know, baby Kyrie. Just don't turn the ball over mm-hmm. and you got to be able to shoot. Mm-hmm. If you can do those three things, it's almost impossible for you not to play varsity mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you need those three things in the game mm-hmm. every single play. Almost two out of those three. You, you know, you have to have right. all three of those. Yeah, and that's the thing is like if you if you can do it, even if you're a smaller person, a smaller guy, and you're trying to do it now, physicality has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. And and the, especially in Southern California, you playing some of the best kids in the country almost every night in some of these leagues and mm-hmm. tournaments and games. You gotta <laughs> you have a warm up showcase for high school next week with 
you know, yeah. how many teams are in the 12, 10? Shoot, we have probably about 24 teams. And, and, just, and they're all probably top 50 in California. All top 50 in California. Just playing on a weekend in, in, in June. Right. And so that's the basketball at least Southern California is up against. So those are those. That's definitely what I try to teach the parents. That's actually why I do these is that the consulting side of this is parents. I want to give you that information of what to expect, what to expect. Kids should not be playing AAU ball if they're in high school in June. If you're doing that, stop. AAU coaches, if you are holding practices during June, stop and call me and let's talk about it. You're not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that just happened. So no, it we're going to post that tomorrow. It, it happens. <laughs> but um, awesome. Anything. So you got a 24 second shot clock. Anything that you want to let the uh, people know about or anything that you want to leave? information with uh, I guess all in all basketball has just been a, a, a blessing to my life and and people around me I appreciate everybody who's been a part of that my dad has played a tremendous uh, part of that both my dad and my mom but my dad is my mentor like you spoke about just mentorship is just so underrated uh, the social media piece you use that's crazy I mean just that you were spot on. So so many people just have access to, to kids now. And I think we all need to, as a young person, need to find a, a mentor. And as, as experienced coaches, we all need to find a younger person. So just what's your calling? What's your passion? How can we give back to those? Um, the parent issue is always is one of the main ones. And, and parents want what's best for their kids. So we all, as coaches, have to be mindful of that. But remember parents you are being you you are the ones who a lot of time lead the way and your kid can miss out on a great experience just from the fact that you may just be a little overbearing so use people like like todd you know you have sounding boards everywhere to just ask questions i know you get a lot of questions or you don't and you want to just like grab people and say hey like just just listen to what's going on so I think we always need to be better listeners, better learners, and just know that, you know, this this basketball thing is 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 tremendous. It's given us so many opportunities to make a living for ourselves, to impact people, uh, just and, and it's a, a great thing. So let's just remember what it's there for and just just continue to to be loving and and just as impactful as we can to one another. Just let's just be the best people we can be. Perfect. Love it. Thank you again for coming on the show, my brother. Appreciate you. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.